in John chapter 15, Jesus tells his disciples that he no longer considers them servants, but friends. I've referenced that statement several times in the course of this study, including all the way back to the first session. But no matter how many times I repeat it, it never ceases to amaze me. It really is an incredible thing for Jesus that he would say such a thing, that he would call his disciples, who were following him around at the time, and by extension that he would call everyone who continues to follow him today, that he would choose to call us friends. There are very few people in the Bible who are referred to as friends of God. In fact, the only two that I'm aware of are Abraham and Moses. On two occasions, once in chapter 41 in the book of Isaiah, and then once again in the book of James, chapter 2 in the New Testament, on those two occasions, Abraham is referred to as God's friend. And, and then, of course, there's that verse in Exodus chapter 33, where Moses' practice of going into the tent of meeting, where it's being described, and the narrator of Exodus says, as a sort of editorial aside, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. Those are the only times in the Bible when God's relationship with a human being is described in terms of friendship. And yet, here in the Gospel of John, Jesus, the eternal Word of God, the one who is already claimed to be one with the Father, the one who goes around saying things like, I am the Good Shepherd, and I am the resurrection and the life, and I am the way and the truth and the life, this one, this one who is God in the flesh, he says that he regards his disciples as friends. How is that possible? Friendships like that don't make any sense. According to the ancient philosopher Aristotle, friendship is really only possible between equals, between those of equal rank and of equal virtue. A king, Aristotle thinks, can't really be friends with a slave. And a just man can't be friends with the criminal. So how in the world is it possible for Jesus, who, as John tells us in his prologue, is the creator of all things, how is it possible for him to be friends with mere creatures? And how could the light of the world befriend people whom he has exposed all throughout this gospel as living in darkness? It makes no sense. You know, Todd the fox and Copper the hound, they may have made for an unlikely pair of friends in that movie of the fox and the hound, but the oddity of their friendship pales in comparison to the friendship between Jesus and his disciples. But that's not the only reason that Jesus' statement about friendship, it's not the only reason that's surprising. It's not just that Jesus and his disciples are so very, very unequal with regard both to their status, their rank, and to their moral character. It's also that the bonds of friendship, unlike, say, the ties between family members, the bonds of friendship, well, they're conditional. 
At least that's how we tend to experience friendship. As C.S. Lewis once put it, I have no duty to be anyone's friend, and no man in the world has a duty to be mine. And because of that, because friendship is so, as Lewis says elsewhere, so exquisitely arbitrary, that means that friendships, they don't necessarily last forever. If my brother betrays me and wrongs me, well, he'll still be my brother. But if a friend betrays me, we may no longer be friends. And the people that Jesus called his friends in John chapter 15, well, just a couple chapters later, they ended up betraying and abandoning him. And you've got to wonder whether they thought that their betrayal would mean the end of their friendship. If C.S. Lewis is right, if Jesus had no duty to be their friend and they had no duty to be his, then surely their abandonment of him in his hour of greatest need would have killed whatever friendship they had developed. But that's just what, what's so surprising. It didn't. At the very end of John's gospel, after the report of Jesus' resurrection, he John gives us several stories about when the risen Jesus visits these fair-weather friends and how he restores them, not to the status of servant, but to the status of friend. Now, that's what I want to discuss this session. And to do so, I'd like to focus our attention on the story of Jesus' encounter with Simon Peter that comes in John chapter 21. Because it's there in that story, really it's there we learn just what kind of a friend Jesus really is and what being friends with him really means. At the beginning of the chapter, we're told about a group of disciples who were at the Sea of Tiberias, a group that included Peter and Thomas, Nathaniel, the brothers James and John, and then these two other disciples who were unnamed. And while they're all there, Peter tells the others that he's going to go fishing, and they decide to come with him. Now, some of John's readers, when they read this, some people have concluded that this decision to go fishing, it demonstrates that the disciples, they're going through some kind of vocational crisis. They're giving up on what Jesus called them to do, to be fishers of men, and they're just returning to their day jobs. But... Other readers take a more positive view. The church father, John Chrysostom, for instance, he thought that their willingness to go fishing showed a newfound courage. Because as Chrysostom observed, at the end of chapter 20, these same disciples, they were all huddled together in a locked room, and now they're awaiting, they're just waltzing around in public. Now, the truth is, John doesn't really tell us what was going on in their hearts only that they decided to go fishing. And then that something miraculous happened. Uh, they caught nothing all night long. And then early the next morning, a man that they don't recognize starts yelling at them from the shore and telling them to cast their net on the other side of the boat, which they do. And then they catch so many fish, we're later told it's 153, so many that they can't even get the nets into the boat. And then one of the disciples recognizes that this stranger is Jesus. 
And he tells Peter, and Peter strips down and jumps into the water to swim to the shore to see Jesus. And we can only imagine what might have been going through Peter's head at that moment. Obviously, he was excited. Obviously, he couldn't wait to see Jesus. But who did he think he was swimming to? Did this one who had come to call him a friend, did he still think of him that way? Or was Peter now back in the category of a servant? Or maybe had Jesus given up on him entirely? When Peter emerges out of the water and he arrives on shore, John tells us that Jesus is, has, has lit a fire to cook. But not just any fire, mind you. It's a charcoal fire. And that might seem like an insignificant detail, but, well, when you're reading the Bible, every detail is important. And the only other time that John mentions a charcoal fire was back in chapter 18, right after the first time Peter had denied knowing Jesus. Right after that, as soon as Peter denies knowing him, John adds this little detail. Now, the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. So was it just a coincidence that when Peter walks up out of the water and joins Jesus on the beach, that Jesus had made a fire exactly like the one where Peter warmed himself that night? Is that the memory that maybe came to Peter's mind when he smelled the smoke of that fire that morning? Was he remembering the night that he had abandoned his friend? Well, if not, Jesus definitely made sure to remind him of it. When after they all ate together, he and Peter have a private conversation. Three times Jesus asks Peter the same question. Do you love me? And by the third time, John says that Peter is grieved in his heart, that Jesus keeps repeating this question. But surely Peter must have known why. Because three different times, Peter had denied him. And this is Jesus' way of restoring him. Now, if you read the exchange between John and Peter in English, in the English translation, it would seem that they keep using the same word, love. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. But they're actually using two different Greek words, both of which just happen to be best translated as love. Well, the first two times that Jesus asked Peter that question, Jesus uses the word agape. Uh, this is the word that the Bible most often uses to talk about God's love. And it's a wonderful, beautiful kind of love a love that's bestowed unconditionally. But that's not the word that Peter uses when he responds and says to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, the word that Peter uses is this word phileo. It's the word that describes the love between friends. It's where Greek gets its word for friendship, philia. Because in this moment, that's what Peter wants Jesus to know. Not just that he loves him in the way that a servant would love a master or a creature would love his creator or even in the way that a sinner should love his savior. 
No, what Peter wants to say, what he wants to reaffirm with Jesus is that their relationship goes deeper even than that. Yes, he's saying to Jesus, you know that I love you. You know that we're friends, don't you? Some people think that Peter uses this word phileo because, because he can't bring himself to commit to the higher form of, of godly love that Jesus is referring to with that word agape. But that doesn't seem to be the case. If anything, it seems that Peter is actually intentionally choosing what he thinks is a stronger word to describe his love for Jesus. Because of what he, that's what he thinks is most in jeopardy right now. He doesn't want to go back to being a servant, even, even though he knows that's what he deserves. He wants to be Jesus' friend. And eventually, the third time Jesus asked the question, he also uses that same word that Peter's been, been using. Simon, son of John, he says, do you love me as one friend loves another? But just because Jesus doesn't use this word until his third statement, that doesn't mean that the subject of friendship hadn't occurred to Jesus until then, or that he was somehow unsure of whether or not he still wanted Peter for a friend. Now, actually, if you pay attention to their exchange, you'll notice that the purpose of this whole conversation has been to restore their friendship. After all, when you think about it, what is friendship? What is it that binds friends together? Well, you may think that friendship revolves around just the enjoyment of someone's company, that friends are those people who enjoy doing things together and having shared experiences. And of course, there's some truth to that, but that's not really what friendship is about. That's just mere affection. No, real friendship, true friendship is based on a shared love of common interests and common pursuits. Real friends are those who love what the other loves, whose eyes are fixed on the same common interest. Uh, C.S. Lewis captures this well when he says that, whereas lovers, if you can picture them, lovers have their eyes turned toward one another, gazing at one another's faces. Friends are those who stand shoulder to shoulder, side by side, fixing their eyes on their common pursuit. And that's why you can't be friends without some kind of shared love, some, some common interest to draw you together. Because then, Lewis says, then there would be nothing for the friendship to be about. Friendship must be about something even if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. And that's why Jesus responds the way that he does to Peter. It's why every time that Peter tells Jesus of his deep and abiding love for him as a friend, Jesus gives him a task. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. Now, if you didn't know any better, you might think Jesus is being a little cold here. Why doesn't he just return Peter's words of love and affection? When Peter says, yes, you know I love you, 
Well, why doesn't Jesus say, well, and I love you too, Peter? Well, actually, that's exactly what he's doing. Every time he tells Peter to feed his sheep. Back in John chapter 15, when Jesus had first called his disciples friends, he told them that the reason they were friends and not servants is because he had opened up his heart with them. He had told them all about the mission that the Father had given him because he wanted them to share in that mission. He wanted them to love what he loved, to be, as Lewis put it, his fellow travelers, his companions. And now on the shore of that beach, walking along with Peter, Jesus is once again saying the same thing. He's not rejecting Peter's friendship. He's restoring it. He's saying, yes, Peter, I know you are my friend. And that's why I'm inviting you to share in this mission with me, to stand side by side with me, to, to fix your eyes ahead right where I'm fixing mine. Of course, although this conversation that day was private, it wasn't really just meant for Peter's ears alone. John recorded it in his gospel for a reason. You and I, we were meant to overhear what was said on the shore of the sea that day, and we're meant to hear Jesus' words, not just as addressed to Peter, but as they're being spoken to each and every one of us. Because we must each respond. No one else can do it for you. As the Franciscan preacher and theologian, Raniero Cantalamesa, so aptly put it, this question immediately puts each of us in a unique position. It individualizes us. It makes us persons. To the question, do you love me? We cannot respond through intermediary persons or institutions. To love Jesus, it is not enough to belong to a body, the church. Uh, this is a question that we are all left with at the end of this gospel. John had said that he wrote down all these things so that we may believe. And here we are being given a question, a question that's posed to Peter and then to us. A question that's posed to Thomas, will you believe, which we must answer. And then this other question that Peter must answer and we must answer for ourselves. Do you love me? Are you my friend? Then Jesus says, then join me in my mission. Love one another as I have loved you. Care for those whom I care for. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep.